welcome back again. This is episode 134 of our Brooklyn Bites. I'm Stephanie. I'm Leon. It is now another week in July. <laughs> That's right. Have you been doing anything? The usual things. The usual. Summer things. Barbecues. Not drinking, so much. Ices, ice cream. Even less of that. Good humor. Good. Is there still a good humor truck? I see them once in a while. Yeah. When I lived in that area of Brooklyn, it was a very busy avenue, so I never had ice cream trucks on my block. Mm-hmm. But I would hear them, so it would be like a tease. I would always hear them, then you go outside and the truck never comes by. <laughs> it's always like two blocks away. You never flag him down in time. Yeah, he wasn't allowed to stop on him. I was on a busy avenue. Ah, so, uh, I see. Yeah. Mm. I was kind of busy this week. Okay. But not busy with games. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. No. Let me start off with this. You've heard of the Apple Watch, right? Sure. So, uh, my mom wanted one of these things. Mm-hmm. So, I took her to buy one, and I never used one before. Did you ever use one before? I've only seen them in videos. I've never used it up close. Yeah, that's pretty much the extent of I ever used one, too. We, you know, we set it all up, and it's kind of confusing. Mm. Like, I'm usually pretty good figuring out electronics without reading booklets and stuff. But there was a lot of stuff on there I could not figure it out. You would think it's an Apple product, and, like, they kind of keep things consistent on other devices. But they don't use the same symbol. So if you want, like, the message app on the watch, it's not always, like, the same-looking symbol. Mm-hmm. So, like, other times I was looking, I'm like, well, where is this? Or where is this? And I couldn't find things, and things didn't really communicate the way I thought they were going to, so... Taking some getting used to. So if it's confusing for you, then your mom must be really lost with it. Yeah, she was actually going to return it the next day. Uh-huh. But um, we kind of fixed some things, and then she gave it another day, and then it worked. Mm-hmm. We couldn't get the health stuff to update in the watch, the um, walking and exercising stuff. I read tons of online documents, and I looked at videos, and I just couldn't get it working. And then it just kind of like worked the next day. Mm-hmm. But even now, I'm like, some things I'm not sure about. You have to, like, keep certain apps open. This weird dock system. It doesn't work like iOS. It's very different. Hmm. So it's kind of strange, but interesting at the same time. For me, anytime you get new electronics, it's kind of... I don't know if you're the same way, but it's, like, sort of a challenge. <laughs> trying to figure it out. I don't know. I guess it depends on what you were hoping to get out of it. Um tell time (laughs) it wasn't for me but it does that at least i kind of like it i don't know there's something i don't know if it's just because it was like a new shiny toy like to play with Mm -hmm. or the fact that maybe i would find some of those things useful i don't know but i never wear watches that was the whole thing Mm -hmm. i am interested in that kind of product i'm not really even sure why but i just feel like if i get it and i put it on my wrist and i just use it every day i'll figure out things to do with it Mm. I have to immerse myself in You never wear watches, it. though. You don't wear jewelry. Right? Not lately. Yeah. I used to wear a watch oh, on a regular basis. Indiglow? Was that your thing? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Um, but I guess like a lot of people, a smartphone has replaced the purpose of a watch. So mm-hmm. now we've gone the other way. We've put smartphones into watches. <laughs> right. That's true. Or at least something to talk to our smartphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like a redundant device, sort of. Mm-hmm. If telling time is all you want, then that's pretty easy. But I think it has to do more beyond that, obviously. Right, yeah. That's the whole question. Uh-huh. That's true. Second screen for your notifications, I guess. That's one simple thing you can do. How about 
bring back the classics and have like the LCD Qbert on there. Oh, yeah. I'm not convinced about gaming on a watch personally. No, especially on a touchscreen, right? Well, it just seems like it's too small and because it's on your wrist, now you definitely have to use it with just one finger. Your control options are going to be really limited. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It's yeah. a small surface to swipe on. I'd have to see it in action. And it has force touch, too. Mm. Which is weird on, like, a tiny surface. The iPad doesn't even have that. That is weird. Yeah. So, I was busy with that, and I also am going through an upgrade with my computer. I've been doing this whole iTunes spring cleaning, maybe, <laughs> even though it's summer. Yeah. But I have this bigger hard drive now, and... I have a couple of thousand songs and nothing sorted right and things are all over like miscellaneous drives and USB sticks and everything. And I'm dealing with USB 2.0 on my computer because I have an old computer. I've been transferring like terabytes of data mm-hmm. like back and forth on different devices to back things up and before I make changes and stuff like that. And it's just been taking hours and hours and hours leaving computer on overnight and, and it ties up the resources on the computer. So... I've gotten, like, very little done with that because it takes a long time. I started up this thing called iTunes Match. Yeah. What it does is takes all your music library and puts it up in the cloud. So if you have an iPhone or iPad or something, you can listen to your music on all your devices without having them stored. It'll, like, stream it. It'll take your stuff and upload it. Mm -hmm. But what it also does is if they have the song already that matches the same song that you have on your hard drive, it won't upload yours, but it'll say... No, you could just use ours instead. Yeah. So the advantages of that is I can delete my copy since they say I can use theirs. I can delete my copy and then say, oops, I lost it. Now I need to download my song back. Mm -hmm. And I can just take their copy from them, (laughs) which is a better version than my old... When did I rip my CDs? Like 10 years ago? Uh Uh-huh. So that's really the reason why I did it. So I can start getting rid of some of my old mp3s that i encoded you know 10 years ago and pick up like more high fidelity tracks mm-hmm. but it's a very manual process and it doesn't retag anything or add album art or anything like that so i have to go in and fine-tune everything so it takes a lot of work to do and uh i almost question if it's worth it or not yeah it's a question of is it more or less work than just redoing it all yourself, right? Like just re-ripping just everything? Just re-ripping it and making sure everything's clean from your source. Yeah, right. And but you think of this as like a shortcut to avoid having to do that extra uh-huh. work. But who knows? And then there's also the stuff that maybe you didn't get from your CDs. All right, well. You get it from other methods. But there is always that, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. It depends on what level of OCD you have. I think I'm somewhere in between. I'm not as extreme, probably, as some people. Yeah. But I'm definitely at a point where if I see, like, blank track list or something, I have to go in and fix it because mm. that drives me crazy. Okay. Like, even if you think it's doing a good job of matching your stuff, you still have to take the time and effort. Oh, really? To make sure that it's correct, right? I mean... I didn't even think about that. That's a whole other step then. Well, you noticed certain things that it wasn't doing, like it wasn't finding every last track of an album, like mm. leave a song or two here and there uh-huh. out of the list. I don't know if it's strictly an OCD thing. I'm sure there's aspects to it. I'm the type that doesn't get bothered, I guess, when I see something like that out of sorts. But I think I'm the inverse. I think I get great satisfaction from knowing that something is in good, organized <laughs> yeah. order. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. 
So I don't know what that is. I don't know if that falls into the same category. I'm not sure. Well, also, you would be like an obsessive kind of thing, right? Well, yeah, isn't that what it means? I guess. Mm hmm. But eh, they might be connected. Right. <laughs> so that does sound like a lot of work. Not so much work, but a lot of waiting mm-hmm. and. Uh, well, at least in the initial parts. Now that I've done a lot of the file transferring and stuff, I can dig in and start really looking at all these files. Mm-hmm. And I had some issues with the whole iTunes media folder is a mess. Mm-hmm. And it's been a mess for like practically since the beginning of iTunes. Yeah. So I've been trying to make sense of that since I am getting a new computer soon. I want to kind of like start off clean. I don't know how you... You're a PCer, so you've been upgrading parts over the years. Sure. Do you ever like just start off with a clean slate? Or do you not do that? Uh, if I have to. <laughs> yeah. I never start with an empty hard drive. You don't? Okay. I'm always migrating my old stuff over. Yeah. I have a set of folders that are just backups of backups of backups of old. Oh, man. Going back to when drives were maybe two gigabytes or something in size. And, uh-huh. then, and then that would be like a new folder on like my bigger drive. And then I just keep stacking this stuff. So. Oh, man. I do have a few folders that need to really be organized, uh-huh. cleaned out of all the old cobwebs. That sounds like a whole other project, too. Yeah, it does. <laughs> well, while that was busy doing its thing mm-hmm. a lot of the times, I figured I'll catch up on some shows yeah. that have been going on lately. I watched Glow on Netflix, uh-huh. and that's like a, a show about, like, Lady Wrestling. That from seems the like 80s. it's up your alley. Yeah. I was a really big fan of that show. Mm-hmm. I used to watch it every Saturday. The original show when it was first on. The original 80s, yeah. Right. I, I think it was like 84 or something. I don't remember. Saturdays around 12 o'clock, I believe. Mm hmm. So I liked it a lot, but at the same time, I knew it was bad, even as a youngster. Mm hmm. I knew it was a bad show, but it was like campy. At times, it was very cringy, too. They would do things, and I'd be like, I'm embarrassed to even watch this. But it was just really fun. I liked wrestling back then. So this new show I was really excited about, and I got two episodes in, and I was kind of ready to shut it off. I was done. I thought it was really bad. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like it was what you were expecting. It's pretty awful. I decided to give it another chance, because they're only half-hour episodes, and I think there's like ten, maybe, episodes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to stick through it, like another episode or two, and I ended up watching the whole thing. It wasn't that long. But, I don't know, it wasn't it wasn't good. It was kind of disappointing. I thought it was going to be really good. Because I felt like I, some of the reviews or people on Facebook, like friends who've seen it, said mm-hmm. it was really good. So I'm like scratching my head. I'm like, this is really awful. Like The characters are so unlikable. The main character is awful. The only character I liked in the whole show was the guy. He's like the director. He was actually really funny and his lines were good. But the show's kind of not really, I mean, it is about him, but not really. And then there was the girl with the red hair. Her role was, like, really good. But everyone else was, like, no personality. Like, who cares? Like, I don't know. It was pretty awful. It's too bad. Yeah. It's not a retelling of the old show, or it's not even a documentary about the old show. It's not. No, it's sort of based on the old show. Uh-huh. It's sort of like a reimagining of how the old show came about. Uh-huh. But the characters are all new. For instance, one of the characters is uh, a Russian, right? In the old 80s show. Mm -hmm. But in the new show, they have a Russian character, but her name is different now. You know, so they create a new persona, and the character looks different, and her backstory is different. Mm. So it's sort of not really, but they took some of the ideas of of what the original show was about. But it just doesn't 
exceed in anything. It's like the dialogue's not good, the acting's not great, hmm. the wrestling's not good, it's not campy enough, like the original. Like, even the parts where they finally get to recreating the show, Yeah, it feels like, oh, this is like them recreating the show. It's like acting, you know? Uh-huh. Where so it doesn't feel like the original. Like, the original had, like, a lot of, like, soul into it, the old show, you know? Like, uh-huh. So this isn't felt- even... This isn't even presented as the old show was. This isn't like it's just new wrestling shows on TV. This is more like behind the scenes of how the thing started up. It focuses on these two main characters yeah. and their life. So you kind of follow them. And they really don't get into the wrestling until like the last episode. Uh-huh. So the whole show is just like sort so of the drama behind it of... You know, how the sh- she was an actress, and, you so know... So how the show came together. Yeah, really. how it came together, and how they met the director, and how the director got funding, and mm-hmm. all this stuff. But I don't think any of that is true. I don't know how much of that they pulled from... Probably dramatized. Uh, yeah, very much. Okay. Just bits and pieces they pulled from real life, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Kind of disappointing. All right. But I also watched another video game-related show which was called Castlevania maybe uh-huh. you've heard of it oh yeah of course but you saw this one I know I did watch me it you watched it yeah I did catch that so these were a little bit shorter there were four episodes yeah so these are animated they're animated it's not a live action show it's not a live action it's also not really based too closely on the games at least not yet I guess there's only so much storytelling you can tell mm-hmm. what did you think about it how did you feel so I'm sort of not too thrilled about this show either. Uh-huh. Well, I think the show seems to be based on Castlevania 3. Okay. More than anything. I think the is it? Yeah. the lead characters in this is Trevor Belmont, who was the lead for that game. The animation looks like anime, but it's not really. It's kind of fake anime. Yeah. Because it's Western designed. And I think it's even animated in Korea, probably. Okay. It's fine, though. I mean, I think it's serviceable. It's okay. I've seen a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. But there were some points where it does the typical low-budget anime style, where a guy's talking, and then he stops, and then he moves his arm, and mm. then he starts talking again. Just his mouth moves, though. Like, nothing else moves. Yeah, well, you know, they gotta get really, it out like, on time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, it, that Those were, like, the least of my issues with this. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was bad. I didn't think it was that bad. From what the early reviews were, were saying, I right. it was going to be a lot more amazing than mm-hmm. what it was. One of the things that I wasn't thrilled about is that one of the great things about the Castlevania series overall is just the music that's used in the games. Yeah, And we didn't really hear any of that in this show. None mm-hmm. of the classic themes were used. You got that right from the start when the opening credits started, and it was just some original piece of music, and it wasn't any of the Which I familiar tones. I did like that tune that they used, mm-hmm. but I didn't listen to that and think, oh, this definitely fits in with the Castlevania games. Yeah. But at the same time, I didn't think it was a bad song. Yeah. Well, only the first episode, I think, had an intro to it. Mm-hmm. And they figured by now, people just skip past that stuff anyway, so they didn't bother putting a, an opener for the remaining episodes. It makes sense, because like, when I watch Orange is the New Black, I always fast-forward the beginning song. Yeah. Because how many times can you watch that same thing? Especially if you're binging it the way a yeah. lot of people seem to consume Netflix shows. Uh-huh. You don't want to sit through that over and over again. It's true. It was a good intro, but I think it just felt incomplete, and it just felt like there needs to be more, but it didn't really end on a natural cliffhanger. But it ended in a way where it's like, now they can start, like, a full show. Yeah, well, so this has felt like just an intro to the whole series concept. Uh-huh. 
one of my complaints was the very beginning. They showed Dracula. That's one of the first characters, mm-hmm. and then they introduce this woman. She shows no fear of Dracula. So like she walks into his compound. Yeah, and there's like a whole yard full of stakes with heads on them and stuff. And she walks in totally not scared, and she's just completely tough to whatever Dracula's telling her. And she's telling him like, you know, why don't you get out and like blend in with humanity? Like, what's all the creepiness all about and all this stuff? Mm-hmm. His mind is whole blown that he falls for this woman. Like he becomes in love with her that intrigues him so I like that story and I, I thought that's what the show was going to be about like I wanted to see more of that yeah and then the next thing you know she's dead like five minutes later mm-hmm. and that's when the show starts right. I was like oh well that stings because this was like the most interesting part of the whole show it's like the whole series in my opinion mm-hmm. of all four episodes and yet I, I guess maybe they can go back to that story if they ever you know make another season I suppose they could yeah but I was a little disappointed, like, right off the bat that that wasn't really fleshed out more. Mm-hmm. I felt like they just needed a premise to explain why Dracula was the way he is, I suppose. Make, uh-huh. It almost makes me think, oh, you know, this is just Dracula being misunderstood. People want to yeah. chase him out of town, but if they only got to know him a little bit, <laughs> maybe he wouldn't be so bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I guess they give him a reason to want to unleash his fury onto humanity. Yeah. <laughs> There was a couple of other things that struck me as odd in the show. Some of the town people accents I thought were a little over the top. Over the top is a little bit too much. I mean, nearly unintelligible. Like I had trouble following what some of the characters were saying. Uh huh. It's supposed to be in Eastern Europe, but I'm hearing like English and Spanish accents (laughs) and all kinds of different nationalities. So Mm -hmm. I was a little confused about what direction they were going with there. And also, I didn't realize the hero, Trevor Belmont, was such a joker. I don't recall his character being like that in the games. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. Maybe I haven't played one in a while. But is he like that? You played one I recently. I played them, but there wasn't enough in the game to really give you an impression of what his character was like. Yeah. But in this, he's just very casually whipping thug priests all the time. Yeah. He yeah. spends more time fighting priests he in does. this show than vampires. There was a very or, anti... Or demons like, or some, uh-huh. anything like that. But he also comes off as sort of a reluctant hero, like kind of disinterested in what a lot of people are telling him most of the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think I minded so much of how they developed his character. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I'm not that deep involved in the whole... Yeah, I totally don't really know. I, I don't know. There's people who lore know, like, yeah, they know the whole timeline and everything. I just know some of the names and that's about it. Right. So I didn't mind that so much, but some of the things you said I do agree with. I don't like the exaggerated action that this show had. For instance, when he's fighting that big monster, which I don't want to give it away, but it's this big creature he's fighting. And it's really the only fight in the whole show, aside from the priest, right? Mm-hmm. He fought this one big monster. And he's doing, like, these stupid tricks where he's throwing a sword at the creature, and then he takes his whip, and now he's, like, pulling the sword out and then whipping it back and throwing it. And it's, like, all these, like, jump kicks and all this stuff. And I'm like, he doesn't do that. Like, it's, this is not... Like, why can't he just fight the guy and that's it? Why does it have to be these, like, exaggerated, impossible, like, only a superhero can do sort of things? Yeah. I don't know. Like, to me, it kind of ruins... He's greater than human. Yeah, but he's not... I don't know. It's, mm. It doesn't... It's too, like... Too over the top? Maybe, yeah. Uh-huh. That kind of turned me off when I saw it. I was like, oh, I don't know. Now I'm not like the show anymore. <laughs> if it was, like, Contra or something, then, like, that's over the top, exaggerated. Like, that I expect to see. I mean... In the Contra game, he's on the propeller of the helicopter fighting, you know, like, that's 
crazy. Mm-hmm. But Castlevania games were never like that. I mean, there were some weird parts where he did some crazy things, but nothing like that. So I didn't like that. Mm. I guess the only other thing that caught my interest was some of the voice acting. Yeah. Uh, the Bishop. Okay. And this is voiced by Matt Frewer of Max Headroom fame. Really? Yeah, among other things. I didn't pick that up. But, uh, yeah, he's doing a bit of an accent, so it's maybe not that obvious. But um. you could hear some of his vocal quality coming out. Mm-hmm. I also noted that the series was written by Warren Ellis, who I know of from a lot of comic book work that he's done. Stuff like The Authority and uh, Transmetropolitan, which was a pretty good cyberpunk book. He's done a lot of other stuff like this, though. He did the G.I. Joe Resolute series. Came out oh, yeah, yeah. In 2009. Uh-huh. Yeah, the art was good in that. He wrote the story for that. He was oh. the writer on this. Okay. <laughs> he also did all of the Marvel anime shows that came out around 2010. I don't know if you remember, Marvel did a bunch of anime like Iron Man and Wolverine. Wow, no. Uh-uh. And X-Men. <laughs> Never even heard of it. Yeah. Those huh. came out probably like six years ago at this point. Wow. Was that any good? Uh, I only sampled them a little bit. I mean, I know they were on TV. I think Sci-Fi Channel ran them, but I never got through all of them, so I'd have to go back and see what those were like. Hmm. I think it's cool that they at least did something like this. It's definitely cool. I yeah. like that they're trying. I would definitely say give it a try, because it's short enough, you know, mm-hmm. maybe an hour or so. You're saying in the 20 minutes an episode. So. Less than two hours, I think, to get through it all. Okay. I felt like it wasn't dark enough. But there was going to be like a dark mm. cartoon. Uh, wasn't evil enough, <laughs> even though they were very anti-religion, uh-huh. and wasn't bloody enough. Although it was gory in the beginning too, but there were moments. Yeah, there were moments, but I don't know. It wasn't like I was waiting to see like the fishmen and the bats mm. and all the stuff of, from the game. A lot of know? the familiar stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess nothing it, from the game is in it. <laughs> doesn't look like anything is like. It's mostly that. townspeople and priests. Mm-hmm. That's all you see <laughs> for like ninety percent of the show, maybe right. more. It would be great to see maybe a uh, Metal Gear show in this style yeah yeah. I wouldn't mind that because those characters have more substance to them and it's a very story driven game uh huh so it would be interesting to see it either retold in a serial format like this or just background or just other stuff that to explore what about a telltale version of Metal Gear mm-hmm. I feel like that would be a really good mm-hmm. use of that but a cartoon on Netflix why not that could work too could sure work. Well, some people feel because Hideo Kojima is no longer with Konami that anything more that they do with Metal Gear is not going to be a reflection of what the true creator would have wanted to do anyway. Yeah, that's true. But I guess you could say the same thing about Castlevania, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least Konami's doing something. They could be doing more, but... <laughs> Are they, or do they just sign their name at the bottom and say, okay, do this? They let it be played with, whatever mm-hmm. they're involved in. So like, how much do we make? Okay, <laughs> let's do it. Probably. All right, so you kept busy with a few things. Yeah, it takes time. What about yourself? Hmm. Well, I did check out a game. Normally, I'll spend my time playing something new that I haven't tried before, but I wanted to revisit an old favorite this time around. On my Atari 800 that I used to play all the time by the name of Caverns of Mars. I think you might be familiar with this it game. It's a good one, uh huh. <laughs> I had a pirated version of that mm-hmm. that was on a disc with like five other games, and you would put the disc in. Five and a quarter inch, yeah. Uh huh. A menu would come up, and mm-hmm. you just press, you know, the keyboard, what game you want. Mm. And that was a very frequently played game. <laughs> 
it's a fun game because I don't know if you got the impression of it at the time, but it's almost like a home version of Scramble. But if Scramble was tilted, instead of being a horizontal shooter, it's now vertical instead. Mm-hmm. A top-down? Uh-huh. Kind of the same type of action, except you're moving from the top of the screen towards the bottom. Mm-hmm. If you were to rotate your monitor mm-hmm. like 90 degrees, yeah. you still play like Scramble? A little bit. I mean, I guess that's the impression that I got from it anyway. Mm-hmm. At least that's what they were going for, I think. But even my memories of the game first playing it, I mean, the title screen, even that by itself made an impression on me because you have that lander that's your ship in the game just kind of hovering over the Martian landscape with this glowing red crater right below it. Even the lander itself, it's just a few simple pixels, but it has a very alien aspect to it. I mean, it's your ship, you're fighting for Earth, but... It still feels almost like a UFO, the way it's built. Yeah, I feel like that, too. It doesn't feel like an American-made like shuttle or something. Uh-huh. Whatever it's supposed to be. Yeah, I think the author was probably just thinking, well, maybe it's just like a NASA-style lander, mm. like a lunar lander type of vehicle, but... It also, doesn't it make that sound like um, that wavy sort of sound? Like as a Yeah, it, it does have like that sound of like something that's uh, hovering or something. Yeah, it does. Okay. <laughs> That just adds to the mystery of it all. Uh huh. Before you start the game, you have the choice of four different difficulty levels. And they're not really difficulty levels in the sense that the game plays harder. It's just different lengths of the game. So you get more stages the higher level that you pick before you hit the goal. So you have to pick between novice, pilot, warrior, or commander. Commander is pretty much the full version of the game, whereas the other ones kind of end a little sooner. Mm-hmm. Now, according to the manual, the lander is known as the Helicon 7 fighter. It descends into the underground cavern, which is basically this vertically scrolling shaftway. And five different stages are available. And in the first, there's these cliffs that have these rockets parked on them, but they don't fire the way they would in Scramble. In Scramble, you would see rockets or missiles along the ground, but they had the threat that they could fire up at any moment. And that's not an issue in this game. There's also these transmitter pods and these fuel tanks. So naturally, you have to shoot the fuel tanks to get fuel. That makes a lot of sense, right? That's how they did it back then. I don't know why. The explosion, the gas that the explosion Mm -hmm. releases. It gets absorbed into your gas tank. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So this is typical scrolling shooting type of game. Uh, And the scrolling is forced. I mean, it moves at a constant rate. But the lander can maneuver by accelerating and decelerating slightly. And you don't have to use the left and right buttons to do it. No, you use up and down instead. (laughs) Back then, we were able to do everything with just a joystick and a button. Mm -hmm. True. And your ship can fire two shots of laser torpedoes at once from left and right. So it alternates fire from the left and right side of and the ship. And it auto-fires, right? Uh, it can, yeah. If you hold down the button, it'll engage it and auto-fire. Okay. But you can also just press it one at a time to get a single shot off if you want. It's also possible to align your shots so that you end up hitting two targets. Your ship is a certain width, and if you fire both shots, you can hit two different things. Mm. So there is some strategy there if you want to play it that way the fuel supply of the lander is constantly being drained so you do have to shoot fuel tanks to keep your supply filled just like scramble that's a pretty simple area and then in the second area 
you're in an open shaft way where there's this stream of rockets and ships flying up towards the top of the screen, and the lander has to shoot its way through that. Now they just move in a vertical straight line, or yeah. do they swerve like left and right? No, they're fixed. Okay. Fixed position, so it's almost like an obstacle course. Mm-hmm. You have to pretty much shoot your way through to avoid getting hit. The enemy is kind enough to include fuel ships in that wave, so you can continue to refuel even while you're going mm. through this field. It's handy. Yeah. Does it give you a warning when your fuel is low? I think it might make a little tone. There might be like a warning okay. like, alarm. When you die in that game, it's usually because like you lose your shield? or uh, Usually, yeah. I think I end up hitting things. I, if I remember, I feel like you get a decent amount of fuel when mm-hmm. you play. Yeah, definitely. If your ship does run out of fuel, it'll just explode and you'll lose a life and you gotta restart. That's the other thing is in, when you do lose a life in this, you have to repeat the entire stage that you're on from the mm. beginning. And all the enemies reset? You have to pretty much start the, the, oh, wow. the stage over. Yeah. So there's short stages, but nonetheless, you don't get to resume right at that spot. Mm-hmm. I'd say this particular wave is sort of a stand-in for the fireball stage from Scramble. You know, like the, on the second wave, you have that stream of fireballs flying oh, across yeah, the screen. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. So I think this is pretty much a substitute right. for that. Yeah. Now, one of the effects of shooting an enemy ship or an object in this is that it leaves a cloud of debris behind. And that stays persistent. Your ship can pass through it, but you can't shoot through it. So once you shoot something, that cloud will block you from shooting through it to whatever's behind it. And that can be a little problematic sometimes. You have to plan for that. You just have to be aware of it. But you can go through it. You can go through it. You can just pass right through it. But you can't shoot past it. Mm -hmm. So once you get through that field, if you're playing on Novice, it goes right to the end of the game, which is the base stage. And in that, you pretty much fly through a very narrow corridor... Which I always found funny because it's lined with red bricks. It seemed odd that this futuristic alien base on Mars would be lined with just red bricks. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they would use something a little more exotic. But you fly down this shaft and there is what's called the fusion bomb at the base of it. It's kind of this egg-shaped sphere. I always assumed it was like a reactor of some type. But at that point, a message comes across the screen once you make contact with it. that says the bomb timer has been set. What do you do, land on top of it? You just land right on it. Okay. And now, are you, when you're falling, I, I should ask you this, but can you touch the walls, or is it the type of game that you get damaged when yeah, you, you do? Yeah, you, okay. you blow up instantly if you hit any oh, of the walls. Oh, instantly, okay. Yeah. There's no damage meter or anything like that. Mm-hmm. There's no shields. It's just, you know, you blow up. Oh. <laughs> you set the bomb timer, and now you have to escape. So unlike Scramble, when you destroy the target at the end, you now have to back out before... The bomb goes off. Mm -hmm. So everything reverse. Yeah, so you have to fly back through the stages that you were just on, but in reverse direction. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, things are glowing now as if the bomb is set, and everything is kind of shut down. So you don't have to worry about enemies shooting at you. You skip that rocket stage. So now you're just kind of navigating through the cave walls and whatever came before that. Mm -hmm. Do any of the enemies regenerate? Uh, there's no enemies in the retreat stage, really. I mean, okay. You're just trying to avoid crashing into the walls, that's it? Yeah, avoid the walls and get out before the timer runs out. So initially you're set with 30 seconds on Novice. But doesn't it auto-scroll? It does, but you can possibly maneuver in such a way that you don't get out in time. <laughs> okay, so if you go too <laughs> slow. Huh, I don't remember that happening. 
Apparently, that is a possibility. Wow. So, if you get through it successfully, you get to the top, you're shown the title screen again, pretty much where the, the game had started, and you hear underground explosions happening, and then it says, congratulations, cavern destroyed, you're now entering cavern 2. So now you just basically repeat the game. But it's sped up a little bit, and I find it to be sped up significantly <laughs> to the point just where... Just on part, on level 2? Just even on level 2. Wow. It, it feels a little too fast to the point where, because the scrolling is even moving faster, I find that I'm not quite making the turns quick enough and I run out of space and I get crushed by the scroll hmm. more than just because I hit something by mistake. I also notice uh, the fuel consumption is faster. So it seems like you have to be more aggressive in hitting the fuel tanks to make sure that your fuel supply stays up. So I didn't really play that too much beyond that. I went on to try the next difficulty level, the pilot difficulty, just to see if that was any different. And the first two stages seem the same. But now you get a third stage before you go to the base. And now there's laser gates to get through on this stage. So they're pretty much fixed position. There are these energy fields that appear on and off while you're getting through the cave. You have to try to kind of note where they appear so that this way you're not in that space when they get turned back on. They appear and disappear in like a rhythm pattern, right? Yeah. Sometimes they flash in a pattern. Sometimes they're on all at once. Mm -hmm. It depends on what part of the cave you're in. If you're playing on pilot difficulty at this point, after you clear that stage, the base stage is next. And after placing the bomb, you get 55 seconds instead of 30 because now you have to back out of this extra laser gate stage. Oh. You know, so uh-huh. you're given a little more time because your escape route is longer now. Luckily, none of the force fields are active because everything's been shut down from you placing the bomb, apparently. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about the fields. Oh, you don't? On your I'm way out. Oh, okay. You so just have to navigate right. through the, the twists and turns. Uh huh. So, at that point, I just skip ahead to Commander Difficulty. I might as well just go and see the whole game at this point. Mm-hmm. And so, I play all five stages, and I feel confident that I can handle this new rank. I've played the game a few times now, so I feel like I'm ready for Commander. So, the Commander is the top, right? There's yeah. nothing higher in rank right. than Commander. Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, everything, again, in the first three stages is the same as what I saw before, but now we have a new stage, stage four which introduces a peculiar new hazard, these blinking teleporting lights that could teleport right onto the ship. And the best way to avoid them is to just shoot them all down before entering the space that they're blinking within. So as you're descending, you want to just make sure you try to shoot them all before you get there, Hmm, because otherwise they might teleport onto you. When I played this game when I was, you know, whatever, 12 years old or something, uh, these things always reminded me of a classic Star Trek episode mm-hmm. <laughs> called The Lights of Zitar, where these sparkling lights would appear and they were wondering, like, what is the origin of these things? What does this represent? Are they a natural effect or is this just part of the geology of this place? But I think within the game, they're supposed to be space mines. I think that's all they're supposed oh. to represent. Nothing they too They could have still been too exotic. influenced by Star Trek. Who knows? It's possible, yeah. Yeah. I don't see why not. I think if I'm going to draw another comparison to Scramble, I think this stage is probably similar to... uh, In Scramble, there's that stage where you have those saucers that are going up and down in kind of a wavy line. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, this is probably a substitute for that. The next one, stage five, 
is a maze-like stage where you have to pull some really hard right-angle style maneuvering to get through S-shaped tunnels. And it really requires nerves of steel to make sure you hold the position exactly right and then you know move forward when you can. Hmm. It starts with a row of fuel tanks where... You know, you start shooting the fuel tanks, but then there's debris there, and you can't shoot through to the next one until you're right on top of it. So you have to maneuver your ship in such a way that you clear the debris and then continue to shoot down. Auto fire works well here, but you just have to pace yourself a little bit. Make sure you don't move ahead too fast. The worst part is the reverse navigation of this stage. After the bomb is set, you have to go back through this stage in reverse, and... For some reason, I find the reverse direction or the exit harder than it was going back in. Uh, I'm not sure why. I don't know if maybe I'm... Even though you had no enemies. Yeah, yeah. Well, no there's really... Gates, nothing. There's no enemies on this particular stage, stage five. Just the fact that you have to cut through these very narrow corridors with no real room for error. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed harder to me. But in the end... Still the same goal, get to the base, set the bomb, and get back out. I think you're given 90 seconds uh, wow. by the end if you're playing the full version of the game. Very different from the very first rank that you played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So this game, Caverns of Mars, was created in 1981. Wow, by... was I even born back then? <laughs> <laughs> Only you could answer that. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately I was. <laughs> Uh, the author was Greg Christensen, hmm. who was a high school senior at the time. That he wrote this game. Wow, good for him. Yeah, it was submitted to APX, which was the Atari Program Exchange, and was released on cassette through this program. Now, APX was a way for Atari to boost their software catalog by allowing games that were developed by users to be published. So it was a way for like homebrew computer Sort of like how authors. the Xbox Live indie thing that they did could be yeah i think you might you could consider it that Sony way Sony had the um the Yorose playstation is that yeah. what it's called okay. yeah yeah it was actually a black playstation i mean after all it was a computer so you could program your own games so mm-hmm. i guess it was different a little bit than a console but it was a way for end users to sell games on the market you got basically atari's marketing behind it so it was a way for just end users to publish games directly to the public without having like your own software company they would do the marketing for you so, you know, it's a sanctioned homebrew program. but And they even paid royalties. They even paid back, uh, I think, 10% of wholesale back mm. to the author. So if the game sold for uh, $10 to stores, you mm-hmm. would get back a dollar, which mm. is not great, but it's something. That's not bad. I, I mean, I think that's what Apple gives on their mm-hmm. app program. I mean, the stores might charge 20 for the game, let's say. But in the end, at least the author saw something yeah, out of it. Uh, this game was so impressive to the people at Atari that it actually made the jump from APX to Atari themselves publishing the game as a first-party game. So this was, uh, I guess, the first one to be uh, licensed in that way. And once Atari started putting it out, it was now released on floppy disk, or programmed diskette, as they called Hmm. it back then. It required a minimum of 24K and had a suggested retail price of $39.95. Wow. That seems like so much, right? <laughs> it, it, it does. Uh, furthermore, they even went on to make a cartridge version of this game in 1983. Cool. So there are both cassette, diskette, 
and cartridge version of this game out there. I have to dig up the box art and see what it looks like. Mm -hmm. So one guy made this game. Yeah, sure. In fact, Caverns of Mars 2, which was a game that was even closer to being a straight scramble clone, because this time that is a horizontal scrolling type of game, was also completed in 1981, but for some reason it was never officially released Hmm. until Antic Magazine published it through one of their monthly Was that a games. mistake or something? Was... I'm not really sure. They changed huh. the name. They ended up calling it Mars Mission 2 oh. because, you know, I guess they Atari owned the Caverns of Mars name, so they gave it a new name and, and put it out that way. The concept was revisited again in 1982, though, with another APX title called Phobos. So Greg Christensen went back and made kind of an updated Caverns of Mars remixed version. It had some of the graphical improvements that Caverns of Mars 2 added, but it had the gameplay of Caverns of Mars 1. And you may know that Phobos is one of the moons of Mars. That's why it was named Phobos. Aha! So now if this is Phobos, this would be Caverns of Moon? (laughs) Maybe. I don't know what the full story is. Greg Christensen himself stayed in the gaming business for a bit. After these couple of games came out, he went on to work on several battle chess games, as well as some Star Trek titles from Interplay into the 1990s. Wow. He even was the programmer behind the Interplay title, Mario Teaches Typing. I thought you were going to say Boogerman. (laughs) Boogerman. Mario Teaches Typing. Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Classic Nintendo software. (laughs) Right. I think that only came out on PC and Mac. I think so. Yeah. Uh, So... As far as other versions of Caverns of Mars, there was a version included on the Atari Flashback 2. I have that version. Now, that was a 2600 game, so this game might have been something that Atari was planning to release at some point, but never did. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what the origin of that code on that flashback. Right, so it was, it was a homebrew game then, homebrew version of Caverns of Mars. Flashback had all homebrew games on it too. Don't know if okay. it was its official Because it had like Adventure Plus and, you know... Skeleton, or whatever it was called, like mm-hmm. these weird games. Yeah. I don't know of any documentation that explains where mm. that ROM came from. Okay. There was a homebrew that was released through Atari Age, mm-hmm. and that was called Conquest of Mars. Uh-huh. That was just a new game that a group called Champ Games put together. That came out in 2006, I think. Very competent sort of port of the game, but not official in any way, so I guess that's why they called it something else completely. Yeah. But still a good version. It represents the original game well and even adds a few new things like cannons that fire back at you. And Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good version. If you're a fan of the original game and you want to check out an alternate version of it, I think that's a good one to take a look at. So Uh, that's the Atari Age homebrew version? Right. And how about the Flashback 2 version? I thought it was pretty good. Was it not? Good. It looked good. I mean, I think it looked like it represented the game pretty well. I mean, that's something that would have come out in the 80s, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I, I just wonder what the story behind why, that why was. Why would you play that when you have the original, right, to play? I guess you could take a look at it that way, mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> if you can find a computer and floppy disk drive or a cartridge. I didn't know it was on cartridge, so I guess you could play it that way too, maybe? Yeah, definitely check it out. Now, how do you feel about the Jeff Minter version of Caverns of Mars? Oh, Caverns of Minos, I think, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so Jeff Minter made this weird... Well, you know, his takes on games are always kind of wacky and psychedelic and out there. Takes some of the ideas of Caverns of Mars and turns it into something completely different. <laughs> yeah, right. 
I kind of like that version. Yeah, he put that out on iOS. I don't think it's playable anywhere else. Uh, no, it's not. Not that I know of. No. Mm-hmm. And it's not even available anymore. So mm-hmm. if you didn't. You'd have to jailbreak in order to play that. Right. Yeah, it's a fun game though. Uh huh. It's I, very I, fun. I, I kind of like it. The fun thing about his games are just all the. I wouldn't even call them Easter eggs. They're just blatant uses of sprite and sound effects. <laughs> from other games it's just ridiculous yeah and how they're used too it's not even just like oh that's the sound effect from asteroids or something it's it's how it's used in the context of uh-huh. the game it's very funny right he'll cut voice samples out of games that had voice uh in them and like, sometimes I, they don't even make sense I, that's what makes yeah. it kind of funny for me the fun things are trying to remember and guess what all the sounds were from <laughs> like wait a minute i think that was from astro blaster maybe yeah, right. sounds familiar enough that's pretty much what I played this week. It's a good game. Yeah. I haven't played that one since probably like 85 or something. Mm-hmm. That's when I got Nintendo, so I don't think I played much Atari at that point. But I would like to play that one again. That was good. I got to see if I can get maybe an emulator in ROM mm-hmm. and fire it up. Yeah. When you said you need 24K of memory to play this game, mm-hmm. how much did the base Atari 800 have? The 800 came with uh, 48K. So you were good then. But there were early versions that only came with 16K. Oh, all right. Because it had two cartridge slots, right? So the 800 had four slots in it. Oh, it it wow. had one for the system ROM, uh-huh. and then it had three remaining for RAM. And they sold 16K modules. So uh-huh. some of the systems very early on came with 16K. The Atari 400 also had 16K. The 600XL also had 16K. But they very quickly added 48k to the 800 i mean well it came with 48k total in most configurations so the atari 800 xl Mm -hmm. that had already the that came with 64k 64 yeah Uh uh-huh did you need a basic cartridge at all or that wasn't how that worked uh this game didn't need basic some games did but it did okay yeah this game was uh binary executable Mm. the cassette version i think might have run in 16k but the diskette version needed more. Hmm. So there you have it. Awesome. I also do have some pickups to discuss. You don't say. <laughs> you seem surprised. <sighs> you, you seem to find stuff. I, I can't even... I go into these stores. I don't see anything. Well, you're a lot more discerning than I am. Yeah? What, what does that mean? You're more uh, picky about things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this is kind of a follow-up to last week's pickup. Okay. Where I picked up... Refresh my memory. Last week I picked up a Nintendo Switch game, Mm. even though I don't have a Nintendo Switch. (laughs) I did. And you still, to this day, do not... You could have bought a Nintendo Switch this week. They were available. I did see them. On Best Buy. Yes. And on Amazon. Yes. You said... Despite me owning a game for this console I don't own, I'm not going to buy the console yet. We said before, I mean, even when we first discussed the Switch and mm-hmm. what it offered and what it cost and so on, you know, we thought, like, all right, there's really not that much to get for this thing out of the gate. And for the money, I don't know if I would buy it at full price. I want some kind of deal. Entice me. Give mm-hmm. me give me something to work with. Yeah. <laughs> you know? $100 so, off. Something. I don't know. Okay. Give me a game or something with it. Mm-hmm. Or give me $50 off at least. Something. Anything. But in the meantime, that's not going to stop me from buying these ridiculous games. Yet another Switch game. 
Yeah, so unbelievable. So last time I told you about Cave Story because the initial runs of the game were including a keychain. Mm-hmm. So naturally, I had to get the other game that currently offers a keychain, which is Puyo Puyo Tetris, which is a combination of the classic Mean Bean Machine or you what, call that classic? Well, isn't it? it? Goes back to classic times. I, I, yeah, I guess if you're dating it, sure. <laughs> But in any case, in this situation, uh-huh. this is a box version of the game, and it comes with a little Tetris piece and a little Puyo blob thing, whatever And that those is. are included in the box? So that's in this box. And then later versions of this come with a normal Switch box and don't mm-hmm. include the outer paper box. These things are starting to disappear. I should get one now while I can. Should in quotation marks. <laughs> what, do you think they're going to stop making that? Well, they, I think the they already chains? have. They already have. Oh, really? So... If- if you didn't get these early on, you would just get the regular plastic sleeve. You just get it. a regular box, wow. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also, while I was in the store, I took note of what you mentioned last time of how I should get Binding of Isaac because the initial version of this game has a bonus sticker sheet and wow. has alternate cover art. There's a new printing of this game already in stores that has a different cover completely. Oh, really? So, mm-hmm. So this is going to be the cover that's worth like $200 40 years from now? I'm not looking at it as uh, what it's going to be worth. I'm just saying... Well, you must be because you could just buy any copy then. There'll be the common ones and then there's the elite ones. So you're investing on the fact that if you do really love this game at some point when you open it up and play it, (laughs) you'll have the best version of this game. (laughs) That's what I'm... And if you don't, then... eh. (laughs) Right. Then I buy it on Steam for $2. Yeah. I'll never understand it, but I have limited time to get it, so I'm going to get it while I can. Yeah, unless these all get discounted at some point. They might. You know, always that chance. But like you said, they've already reprinted all these without all the goodies, so. Mm hmm. Yeah. Snooze, you lose, I guess. (laughs) I guess so. You got to be in it to win it. What other catchphrases can I come up with? Um, I don't know. You've already covered snoozing. And losing and winning. I'm so. looking up Puyo, the history of Puyo, and it does not go back further than 1991. Really? So I guess it was not an NES game at any point. There was some Nintendo game that also reused that license. Uh, it was actually on the family computer disk system, so yeah. I guess that was not in America, though. Right. What game, though? Fami Maga Disc Volume 5, Puyo Puyo. <laughs> That's what it says. I'm looking at the wiki now. Okay. I guess I have one more thing to mention. All right. It's a Nintendo pickup this week, but I got two new Amiibos featuring a non-Nintendo character, which is the main reason I go for these. Mm -hmm. And uh, this time it's Bayonetta, a game that was originally published by Sega, but then Nintendo uh, exclusively published the second game, Bayonetta 2. Mm -hmm. Since she's a featured character in uh, Super Smash Bros., on the Wii U, they made amiibos of her, but they made two different versions. Why would they do that for? I'm not really sure. Uh, I know they did this with Cloud Strife from Final Fantasy as well. They did like two different sculpts. Who's that? Who's Cloud? Cloud is the main guy from Final Fantasy VII, the guy with the big oh, sword. Oh, the big sword dude, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there's two different versions. This is like the mainstream, you can buy this in any store pose, the blue variant, and then there's the red one, which was, I think, Best Buy exclusive? Mm. The Player 2 version of Bayonetta. That's what they call 
called Player Two? Player Two. There you go. Oh, it actually does say right on the box, but the other one doesn't say Player One. No, just you know, mm. this one's just straight up Bayonetta. Very suspicious. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, so I'm looking up eBay prices to see how rare these are. Uh, it looks like the Player Two version is maybe the more desirable one. They're brand new. Twenty bucks. Really, no reason why you can't just go to a store and buy one. Twenty dollars. Yeah. How much was it? The normal Amiibo price is twelve ninety nine, and then I get the twenty percent off mm. from GCU, so ten thirty nine, I think. Somewhere that's around not there. bad then. I guess. So eBay is twice the price. Yeah, normally I wait on uh, Amiibos. I usually wait for like an eight dollar or less sale, but I figured. Yeah, no, I'm surprised you bought these. But since this was an exclusive, shocked. I didn't even know you were a fan of the game. Oh uh, yeah, I like the game. Yeah. What's your favorite stage? <laughs> I'd have to play it first to <laughs> let you know. But I like what I see. She's very attractive, right? She is a, a very... I don't even know how to describe this character. She looks smart because she has glasses. Yeah. So right there, you know she's in... She has black rim glasses, but she's supposed to be a witch of some kind, but she oh, uses really? guns too, so I don't really understand it. <laughs> well, her uh, hair like turns into things, doesn't it? Yeah, she can psychically control her hair or something like that. Yeah, I, I have to get around to play that first game. Mm-hmm. Especially because there's supposed to be some stage that's based on Space Harrier. Okay. I'd like to get to and try it out. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That game looks a lot like Devil May Cry. And it has I'm that not style. a fan of that style of game. It does have that type of gameplay, yeah. So if you bought the Cloud Amiibo, I'm looking at the prices. And that seems to be going for a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like $30? Did okay. You, did they have Cloud? Cloud Player 2? Player 2, yeah. Is, I think think a GameStop exclusive. Oh, okay. I did see him at GameStop. Okay. I was in a GameStop this week, too, and I saw him on the shelf, but I'm not really interested in getting that. I see the Amiibo fever is back. As it was going to be Ripples. Are... Yeah, I suppose. Depends what characters you like. Um, pro wrestling. Mm. I want a uh, Starman Amiibo. Could happen. Yeah. Why not? Don't get my hopes up. <laughs> Grey Panther, the Amazon. They just need to make a new game. Since they make a new game, there could be all kinds of Yeah, but of I want stuff. new characters. I like the old ones. They'll include the old characters. Okay. When is this coming? <laughs> we'll uh, have to talk to... Uh, who owns that? Bandai? Uh, no, that's Nintendo Direct. Yeah? It was, I think Human maybe made it for them, because that was like before Fire Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're talking about Nintendo Wrestling? Yeah. I see. Right? Or, or am I thinking of Technos? Was that a Technos game? Maybe that was a Technos game. Which game is that? Just Pro Wrestling. Oh, just Pro Wrestling, yeah. Yeah. For some reason, my mind went to Muscle. <laughs> ah, now that's a classic. Right. I'll take a Muscle Amiibo. Mm-hmm. That's kind of Muscles, though. <laughs> you don't need the Amiibo. Right, right. You don't need Muscles. You don't need the Amiibo part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. You got at least, like, those are decent items. <laughs> yeah if you say so uh-huh i have your approval so sure i know that means i'm not completely insane well like i've heard of those games sometimes you, you buy these games with these weird japanese characters on them and i can barely even understand what the language is and mm-hmm. i kind of question those purchases you need sick lessons so you'll understand the language all right <laughs> i always want to learn another language okay all right so i guess we'll wrap it up uh-huh. this time all right as usual visit us on facebook.com slash our brooklyn bites leave us your thoughts and comments and with that we'll see you next time